Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Atoned at One with God. We're glad that you're with us. We pray that uh, you've had an awesome week so far and God has blessed you. I know that he has. And uh, we're glad that you're here with us this evening. My name is Chad Laracy. I am Terry Stewart. And Greg Waller. And again, um, this is Atoned. Welcome in. Here it is, another Wednesday. Good to see you fellers here tonight. How's everything going? Good to be seen, brother. It's going well. Just being blessed. <clears throat> Excuse me. How about you, Dr. Waller? Oh, it's been good. It's been a strange week weather-wise and kind of played around with the schedule at work, but we're still plugging along. More weather coming in, so they say. We'll see. I think it might be a little bit too warm out there for it. It's gotten warmed up a lot more than they thought, so hopefully it just rains. A little bit of rain. Well, tonight we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke. We'll be studying in the 18th chapter. 18th. I can spit that out. 18th (laughs) chapter, uh, beginning in verse 9. Gregory, do you want to uh, to lead us in prayer tonight before we get started? Sure. Sure. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, another night together and uh, as we uh, read your word and discuss it. And Father, help us to to uh, look at this maybe in a way that we haven't and open our minds and, and our hearts uh, to something you may want to write in there, Father. Uh, we thank you for uh, the, the health that we enjoy and as the rest of the world struggles with this virus, God, and Help us to to use our abilities as as we can, and not uh, living in fear of uh, what may happen uh, at any time, God. But always trusting in you. We thank you for Jesus, and we thank you for forgiveness in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank Amen. you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Excuse me. All right. What, what, what verse we our version do we want to read from tonight? I've got I've got ESV here, but we can use any of them that we want to. I've got the NLT here. I can read it. That sounds good. I've got the ESV as well. So, all right, let me read it from the NLT. Right. Beginning in verse nine. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else, for I don't cheat, I don't sin, and I don't commit adultery. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. 
I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So what does that say to you, Chad? Be humble when you pray. Bended knee. So what... Um, when when you look at this, what what's the first thing that really strikes you? Uh, he must have been talking to some pretty boastful, proud for, I mean, just filled with pride. Some folks there, because it says there, it says Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, he if you look at where he was, he was in the temple, wasn't he? Isn't that where he was talking? So he's he's talking to Pharisees and Sadducees because that's the that's the people that would probably dare to even question him and talk to him, you know, as a as a teacher or as you know there. And um, Jesus never seemed to take take miss an opportunity to compare the Pharisees' um, self branded, so to speak, righteousness to those of of maybe what he thinks. God or or even he would you know want us to employ <clears throat> but when you look at this you know I think on the surface we tend to look at these two prayers as one that's one that's good and one that's not because do do we do we see the Pharisee as a sinner or do you see the tax collector is a sinner because if you look at them, who who did more for the people than the the other? Than the other, and I see you, them both as sinners. I was they about both, to say the same. They both thing. are, but who's the hated? <clears throat> the tax collector. The tax collector. So it, you know, it, it's 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 a really strange compare and contrast here. Because on the surface, when you read this, you think, oh, well, that Pharisee was just so self-righteous, you know, and all this. And he was. But according to the law that he lived under, he was fulfilling the law. He was fulfilling the, you know, he was a self-righteous hypocrite in the sense of what he said. But what he said wasn't wrong for him in his time because he he was he was a Pharisee and they had certain standards they had to upheld because that was Jewish law which is what Jesus you know came came to get rid of and so it's almost like it's according to even Luke himself because if you look at Luke 15 verse 7 which is talking about those are all the lost things the coins the sheep and then the prodigal son, which we actually discussed, was it last time? Two weeks, Two weeks ago. ago. Two weeks ago. And so verse 7 says, Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So <clears throat> sometimes, you know, that's the way Jewish writers looked at it, even, even as Jesus talks about this. It's about 99 righteous people need no repentance. But God is happier, or the people, and, and they're they're happier with with that one who's not been there before. Now you're in our midst. The others are here, but we're happier about this. And so sometimes I think that's the way 
I think that's the way Luke wrote this, was was writing this now. Let's get back to where we were. Wait, not Luke 8, Luke 18. Mm-hmm. And so if you look at the tax collector and after you go through everything that that the Pharisee says, says, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust adulterers, even like this tax collector who anybody else would go, you're right, Mm -hmm. because they were extortioners. Mm -hmm. They were thieves. They they had the power to, to take everything you had, throw you in jail. They could do just about anything. They're a little bit like the Gestapo or the KGB. They had ultimate power under the government to do these things. And he says, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. And that's exactly what Jewish law told them to do. Mm-hmm. That's what they, he was doing, what he was supposed to. But then you look at the tax collector and he says, standing far off would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So what we don't know on this guy is is what happens during the week, you know, when he's out. So this 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 compare contrast, it's odd because both have their faults. They both are are not examples of what we should be, other than this guy here, who I think the tax collector is sitting up there, and he's he's kind of given up. He says, "There's nothing I can do. All he's relying on is." is God's grace to be merciful to him, a sinner. And so, you know, when you read that, tell you, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. What it doesn't say is that the, the, um, the Pharisee didn't go home, didn't go home unrighteous because he was fulfilling that law of what, what he knew. And that's why I say it, it. It just says that, you know, they both went home praying to God. It's just a different, it's just, it's, I think they both were wrong at the same time. They yeah, both were right. I don't know. Verse 14 says, I tell you this, sinner, not the Pharisee returned. I tell you this, that the sinner, not the Pharisee returned home justified before God. Yes, justified. But it doesn't say unrighteous. The the righteousness has nothing to do with this. That's what I'm saying. We like to say that that he's he because uh, it says right here he also told his parable to some who trusted themselves that that they were righteous and treated us with contempt. And that's that's the problem that that I think you both have. A tax collector was a thief. Was this? Was that? You know, it doesn't say that he quit being a tax collector. Or he, that he was you know he was good or bad or whatever. I just think it's I just think this that sometimes even in this when we read this parable about someone setting themselves apart and judging another now we suddenly become the ones judging saying hey I'm not like the Pharisee I'm not acting self-righteous when we see someone walking down the road who's in really bad shape and we, we say this thing like, hey, there but the grace of God go I, are we not doing the same thing in reverse? This is why I say this whole parable. I think this would be one of the hardest parables to preach because you're, you're kind of trapped in either way. If you say the Pharisee 
you know, I'm so glad we're not like Pharisees. We're now setting up these divisions again that God, when, when Jesus died, what did he do? Tore the temple veil of the temple in, or the, the, the temple and tore the veil in two. To in the say, temple. In the temple. To say there is no more divide. We are all God's children. We don't have to be a Pharisee. We don't have to follow Jewish law anymore. And so sometimes I, I just say that when, when you look at this on its surface, we say, well, I don't want to be like the Pharisee because he's all self-smug and self-righteous and doesn't need God. And, you know, I'm going to be like this guy. But then we turn around and do the same thing when we, we thank God for everything we have and, and bless my works, you know, and, and, and every, you know, I don't know. I, I just think it's, it, it, it's an odd, it's like an odd pairing for these two because they're both hated pretty much. I commend you, man. You go deep. I'm sorry. You go deep. I think the uh, the parable is is so simplistic. It is on its surface. Don't go any deeper. I don't think Jesus. I'm. This is me personally. I don't think Jesus intended this to be so deep. I mean, he's just saying, "Hey, look, don't be so prideful. Don't don't think that you're better than everybody else. You are a sinner as well." I agree with you. There you is know. there are, but there are other. You can you can peel away lay, layers to get a better understanding of what that says. And sometimes I'm I'm just that way. I just I look at you know I, I look at things you know at instead of straight on maybe like sixty degrees. So I'm always. I think it's just a simple message to say, hey, when you come to talk to me, humble yourself. Well, Matthew five three, Jesus talks about being poor in spirit, and it would appear that one is more poor in spirit than the other, although they both need a Savior, Mm -hmm. and they both need God's mercy. And to your point, you're exactly right, because in Luke 19, when Jesus meets Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus starts confessing, if I've ever defrauded anyone, ESV, then I'll repay them fourfold. He knew he defrauded people. Mm -hmm. It was was a common occurrence for a tax collector collector to take all you can and can all you take you know you, you make a bunch of money they were hated but that's a great point you bring up that the pharisees probably didn't hate each other but they were the religious establishment and they locked a lot of people out so they were hated too that's what i'm saying <clears throat> and, and that's what i'm getting at it's not if, if it had been anybody but the tax collector if it had been the farmer or the grocery store clerk or whatever, to me, that would have been that would have been the apt comparison from a Pharisee to the guy who has nothing. Tax collectors were not poor. They may have been poor in spirit, but they were not poor. They were some of the wealthiest people in the Jewish community, probably way more than the Pharisees, who I'm sure skimmed money off the off of the temple treasury. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm saying. That's that's the reason it's this odd contrast compare because it's kind of like compare compare what we're contrasting and and that's that's where i think you go a little deeper you you're contrasting the pharisee or the self-righteous with the one who need who who needs it knows he needs god's mercy and grace that now if you if you throw out the names that's that's beautiful and it makes perfect sense but to me when i look at this i'm like why would he choose a tax collector well, you said it. <clears throat> you said it before. I think weren't they some of the most hated people? They were. 
So but the comparison here but is weren't liked either. <laughs> well, for I I think of and you know this is my weird way of thinking. I think of like look at it in today's world. You know you have you have people that are diehard Democrats. You got people who are diehard Republicans, and then you got people that don't know what a Democrat is or what a Republican is. They're just getting get, just going through life like you know nobody's business. Oh, we got a new president. Oh, okay. You know, and I don't know why I'm using that just because of what we're in right now. But there's some people that just, they don't vote. They don't, they just go through life. I know. Yeah. I know people just kind of float through like that. So maybe he's using this example of saying, Hey, on the, on the surface, if you didn't know any better, I mean, most people would think here, these Pharisees are the most righteous people on the face of the earth. At that time, I agree. But everybody you. knew the tax collector because everybody had to pay their taxes. But everybody knew the tax collector was bad. That's my point. So now you see this this parable of this this vision or this person who is visibly, in most people's eyes, perfect in the in the sight of God. But yet you've got this tax collector who everybody despises. But yet he was so humbled in his prayer. That God says, or Jesus says, I tell you, the sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God because he humbled himself. Mm-hmm. And he was, his heart was where it needed to be when he approached God in prayer. Well, I agree with you. He was poor in spirit. I agree with you a million percent. The only reason I ever make these sort of statements is because Jesus never does anything haphazard or off the cuff. And so for him to choose those two, it always, I, I, you know, I, I look at that and I think, why would he choose that? And that's what, that's what always del- makes me sort of go under the surface and see, to, to, try to try to noodle out in my own weird little world I live in, of why he would choose a Pharisee, which nobody liked, and why he would choose a tax collector, which nobody liked. That's, that's the point that I'm trying, that's what, that's what I try to, and, and, you know, sometimes I reason out by talking, and I guess I shouldn't do that. No, that's, no, that's what we're here for, brother. I appreciate it. I guess, I mean, I think it's interesting because you're looking at it totally different than not what I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it more, not so much who is saying the prayers, it's how they're saying the prayers. Exactly. It's the attitude yes. that they have when they approach God. I agree with you a million percent, and that is the general takeaway from this. It's just that sometimes, you know, that you can look at, I guess I'm always looking at something in a way to write a sermon. And so when I look at that, those two people, and I think, now, why would he choose that? I know, I understand the Pharisee. Because technically they're both Jews, aren't they? Most likely. Because mm-hmm. Rome would conquer a province, they would send in the Jews to be tax collectors. They had to be, because they knew the people. They so could they're go. both they're both Jewish. They're both versed in, I mean, they both go to church or to the temple. They believe in God. So I kind of forget that, that they're both Jews. One is steeped in the law. But I think the context clue right there immediately is, you know, he spoke this thus to some who had great confidence in themselves. That that group, the self-righteous or whatever. But Yeah, now you're seeing the one who goes away justified was the one who you didn't think it was going to be. I mean, no, no, for, no. for these people, not you. Oh, I'm, yeah. not, I'm talking yeah. about for these people right. that were, uh, that he was telling this parable to right and and i mean he and the, his parables were almost always directed at the pharisees mm-hmm. almost always 
and um, hypocrites. Yeah, and but that's what that's why I say if you're talking to the Pharisees, if you're talking to you, we're, we're just talking. It would probably make perfect sense, but you're talking to the Pharisees because the tax collector and the Pharisees were probably pretty tight. They were probably you know on the same page on most everything, except this one, and that's why that's again that's why I say. It's more of a contrast-contrast or compare-compare. It's not a compare-contrast unless you take both the names away and you say, here's a person who sat up here and said, thank you that I'm not like that. And you have the other said, I'm not, I don't even want to look up into heaven because that would be more than what I think I can do. Mm-hmm. And then you would go, yeah. But if you look at, he says, a Pharisee, you're like, okay, got that. You see a tax, wait, wait, tax collector. Aren't they well, almost the same? And your point, you know, he did. He he chronicles everything that he's done that is good. But as a good uh, Pharisee, that was required of him. <clears throat> but Jesus says in Matthew 23, I believe it's verse number five. Or, yeah. That they, even out of the gate of his ministry, he said, they do these things to be seen of men. So just like you said, I mean, he's very critical of the religious establishment. You know, because they did it to be seen of men. And, but again, and that's the other problem too with the Pharisees is I'll say he went according to Jewish law as it was written then. He went to the temple righteous already Mm -hmm. according to Jewish law. And when he left, he was still righteous. The tax collector who was, who was by all all measures a thief Mm -hmm. went there according to Jewish law, Jewish law, not Roman law, unrighteous. And when he said, be merciful me a sinner, God says, you're justified. Yep. He didn't say to the, he didn't say <clears throat> to him, you're righteous, but he, he said he went home justified. But the Pharisee by Jewish law went righteous, left righteous. The, but the, you know that's why that's again that's, by the jot and the tittle of the law absolutely right. which which is really kind of cool because that's where Jesus blows out of the water you know they they loved to hear him sermon on the mount Matthew five he spoke with authority it was so refreshing because he addresses the heart they they go through all these things that they were required to go through like you say right. that was their righteousness that was what they were required to do and, but. We all know you can you can go through stuff and it not mean a thing to you. Well, and yeah, and because I remember, look who he's talking to. He was talking to some who trust themselves as righteous through the contempt. So he's already talking to those Pharisees, and and so for them to hear him say the tax are like, oh yeah, I know this guy. And you're like, mm-hmm. wait, what? Yeah, he's justified, and I'm not, and I followed the law. And you know, Jesus goes, and then finally, when he dies in that temple veil is torn you know these people had to go what's the matter this is what i've been raised to do my whole life how am i not justified when i'm doing what i'm supposed to i mean it it is it's so it's such a that's why i say there's there's more there underneath than than simply and it can be that and i agree with you 100 million percent that's the message but if you look back and say Look back at where he is and what he's saying and who he's saying it to. You can see a whole different side of the story. Still saying the same thing. All right, I'll shut up. I'm sorry. No, don't need to shut up, brother. That's awesome. Reach, no, reach. No, 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 no.
And if you must use words, use words. Just That's don't right. go so deep. <laughs> mm. It's almost like the Pharisee here was trying to trade his his uh, good deeds in for some grace or something. Well, but that's what that's how grace came for them by their deeds. You know, they had a tithe, I give, you know, whatever, I fast. Isn't that enough? Yep. Because in the Jewish law, that was it. But Jesus said, "That's not the way it works anymore. Love your neighbor as yourself," and that was that's huge because Jews couldn't love anybody but Jews. Mm-hmm. You know, they couldn't love an outsider. They couldn't love a Samaritan. Gosh, remember the the Good Samaritan. Look at that story. Yeah, they even had a place on the outer courts of the temple for the Gentiles to, to worship. Couldn't even, you know, there's boundaries. Place for the women to worship. They weren't allowed access to certain places. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, yeah. I mean, because if you, if, if you can, you know, to even further sort of push this down the road if you look at the rich ruler which is just a few verses past and and uh, a ruler asked we don't even know who this guy is you know he's just a rich young ruler could he have been you know Aladdin I mean who knows who this guy <laughs> yeah. was I mean, he doesn't say he was Jewish it doesn't say he wasn't it just says really says and the ruler asked him good teacher what must I do to inherit eternal life and Jesus said then why do you call me good no one is good except God alone so see, he's already he are, this guy is obviously on the wrong track because you almost think he's saying, "Oh, you're saying good," as if, "Hey, good teacher, what should I do?" You know, because we don't, we can't really read inference, and we can't really read the emphasis on on you know we're just reading the words. It's just kind of a flat, flat surface here. And it said, "You know the commandments: Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness on your father and mother." And he said. All these things I've kept from my youth. And Jesus said, gotcha. And Jesus said, when he heard this, he said, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven and come follow me. And so, you know, it's the same thing. You know, they're still stuck in in this this whole idea of Jewishness, you know. Yeah. And and so, I, I, I you know, I think sometimes we – we like to separate the Bible in these verses and partitions and all that are added in there when it's just one long soliloquy, basically, of of what goes on. Soliloquy. Big word. <laughs> so, there you go. There you have it. There you are. What's our questions there, preacher? Let's do well, it. Just, you know, what does it say about, what does this text say about, God, what do we learn about God? One of the first ones, you know, is the first question. What do we learn about God? From I think this we text? learn here that God, God wants, he, he, he wants our, have absolute faith in him mm-hmm. and depend on him, not depend on what we have or what we've learned or what we think we know or what we think we don't know. He wants us to come to him as his, as our father. So make our make our request be known. In our fellowship, we've kind of rebuffed the idea of the heart, because you know we we hear old sayings, you know, like well, it's better better felt than told or whatever, you know. And I mean, and and we, but but 
Jesus just zeroes right in on the heart most of the time, doesn't he? If not all the time. I mean, because you can keep a list of agreements for the most part. You know, it'd probably be pretty easy for us if we had a list of uh, five, ten, even twenty things to do to be a true follower of God. We probably could, you know, probably could do that. Which is what the Pharisees, that's, yes. you know, is all a yes. list, it was a laundry list. But if we do all those things, and I ask, I ask Elijah in Georgia and, um, <clears throat> on Sunday because we're talking about love, and, you know, I said, uh, if you two, I said, Georgia, if, if you, if you, if Elijah worked hard, made really good money, all that, and blah, blah, you had a great home, but he said, I'll never love you. Would you want to be married to him? And then, and then I asked Elijah the same thing. He said, from the get-go, George and I started you know, talking about being together forever. And he said, uh, you know, I told her if she never loved me, I didn't want to be a part of that. And they both were talking about that, you know. So so that's that's the heart. And I was going to engage Noah and Madison and George and Elijah and may do it this Sunday, but I don't know how I'm going to incorporate that. But, you know, love is... It's more than just, you know, I'm doing all those things, you know, do the laundry, clean the dishes, cook. And that could be a male, female, doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be the woman that does that, obviously. Mm. But uh, <laughs> be correct here. <laughs> but, um, and you do that, but that. I'm not opening that can of worms. But that, that the other, the spouse says, I'll do all this, but I'll never love you. Then what kind of relationship is that? So, and I don't know if that resonates with what I'm saying, but if we had a list of 10 to 20 things that we could do and say, okay, there you go, God, I've done those things, but we don't really love God from the heart. We just go through those things. Is that really? I think I think that's really apt right there, what you just said. Um, and that's that's what you kind of see here between those two. That's a great, that's a great tie in there, too. Because you take the 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 Pharisee who's just sort of, you know, I've got this. Yeah, I've done it. This is, and and in all fairness, that's the way. That's the only way he knows. I mean, he's learned this. He's been taught this, and just the same as as we have our own little dogmas and and weird things that we yep. like to do in COC yep. that that are not rooted in any shape, form, or fashion from the Bible itself. It's just the things that we do. And if we, if someone changes that, we'll bristle, you know, and say, oh, wait a minute now, hang on a minute. And I'm sure the Pharisees, when they heard this, said the same thing. And yet when you, when you talk about that, if you don't love me, why are we doing this? I mean, you just boiled it all down to that one statement. That's, that's awesome. And, and that is exactly right. If you don't, if you had a marriage without love, what is it? It's not yeah. marriage. It's just two people. It's an arrangement. Well, I tell you, this is, I mean, just listening to that makes me think of prayer, right? I mean, and I'm ashamed to even say this, but are not our prayers for our situations, our families, people that are close to us. I mean, I'm talking about even within our church, even with our, our family of God, but I think God wants us to pray every prayer that we pray as if we're on our knees when, when we need him most, when we're going through a storm. 
You know, when it's our family, when it's your child, when it's your mom or dad or whatever it may be, can we all admit that those prayers are a little bit different than the prayers that we pray for or, you know, say that we pray? I mean, how how many times am I guilty of that? Yeah, brother, I am just want you to know you're in my prayers. Are they? That's easy, isn't it? That's easy are to they? say that. Yeah, I'm going to pray for you. And and, and then are, are you going to just do – I do that sometimes and then I just quickly – I don't approach God the way that I need to approach him. I just quickly say a prayer so I can at least in my mind know that I, I kept them in my prayers. That's yeah. a great point, Chad. It's just that's, but, that's really revolutionary for me just because I need every prayer. What you're saying is, is every prayer should be our utter, complete dependence absolutely. upon God. Absolutely. Uh, that's, that's revolutionary. As simple as that is, it's very profound revolutionary and that's the it way. Is. it's I mean, really cool. about it i mean idea. not only do we not pray like we should when things are going great but when you need him man are you not just like this tax collector right here are you not just pounding your chest saying god please if you'll just if you'll just do this for me i mean just you know get them through this mm-hmm. you know we're pleading and we need to be doing that for george right now we need to be doing that for the Mr. Reed, we need to be doing that for all these folks that that need our prayers and they need our our heartfelt, humbled, just pray. But don't you see that's that's what you know this whole this whole Pharisee thing here, and you know I think sometimes our prayers. Or just like that, you know. Hey, God, thanks for not let making me like that. Thanks for putting me here rather than in the middle of Texas or in Russia or whatever. Because, you know, I would be like them. You know, it's the same as your mother saying, "Well, eat all your food in your plate because you're starving kids in India." You're like, "Well, give it to them. Mm-hmm. Let's mail it." Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> and and God sees so through that. You know, those prayers that, I mean, there's a whole different matter when, like today, someone came in my office who. She comes in almost, she's in tears, and it's like 10 to 12. We were going to lunch, you know, and and so she's talking to my receptionist, and she's just like, please, can I just talk to him for just a minute? She'd left from some walk-in clinic who told her something that scared her to death. She didn't know what to do. She was, she was I mean, just, you know, how, how are you going to tell her, no, we're about done here, you know, for the morning? And when I see her and they say all this, oh, you got to have to go see that surgeon. You may lose this. You got this. We don't know what's wrong with you. Maybe we try that. Maybe it won't work. And and this woman was distraught. And so I just I just went back from the beginning and said, well, let's look at this. I said, we'll schedule this test. I don't think you're in any danger. I'll give you this message. And she walked out and she felt like she was on cloud nine because all of a sudden it wasn't as bad as what this person told her. And then I had someone walk in who's, who's a very entitled uh, lady who <laughs> wanted – Everything and then was upset because I said, "Well, we won't be able to do that today." She's like, "Well, what do you mean?" You know, it's like that bear. You know, well, I've been here for some water. You know, and so, <laughs> so, you know, that person leaves and she's mad, and it's it's very similar to this. She comes in with that same sort of attitude. Well, why won't you do that for me? Because I'm here and I want it. And the other lady's like, "Please do anything to help me." And and it sort of struck me. You know, I was trying to remember that because I knew this is what we were going to talk about. And it was, it was just that same thing. When she left, she was just so grateful that she had some hope that there was something that we could do that's probably going to, she thought she was going to lose a leg. You know, I said, I don't think that's going to happen. But anyway, that, that's not the point. 
those prayers that we that we pray and don't you know God gets sick, just sick of it. I mean, we don't like our children like, Daddy, please, I just want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. Can you give me? Can you give me? Can you give me? Can you give me? I want to. Can you give me? And you know, you, you're just like, look, stop. Don't ask me again. You know, I'm, I've had it. And don't you know God's the same way when, when we come up with these prayers? We might as well be this guy thinking, you know, I'm good. That guy, pff, glad I'm not him. Yep. Thank you for not making me him. Oh, it's it's. Uh, I think it, I think you hit it right on the head too, there, Chad. Both you guys, man, y'all, y'all knocked it out of the park. Both those just fit so perfect with this. I liked your analogy there about the two ladies or the two individuals or whoever it was yep, coming in. That one, was really one thrilled that she got the answer she needed, and the other one Mad expected and demanding and whatever she wanted. Yeah, and one th- was humbled and one was not. One was the, exalted. One yeah. was not. That's the takeaway. I mean. Who needs this? How do we? How does this apply to our world? Our our this? I think we just nailed every bit of it. The mm-hmm. questions that we kind of and come down that prayer. Prayer is important, but your attitude toward that prayer is vitally important. Yeah, and I think you know we we love to get up and pray during church, and I've said it before. Sometimes I think I'm up there, and I think I should be sitting on my knees. I shouldn't be standing up here, you know, in front of everybody and. They're all eyes on me and all eyes listening, ears listening. Um, I, I kind of don't like our public prayers in church because it's a time to zone out and tune out and to, you know, if you sit up front and you see, I mean, you see oh, their phones out there. Mm-hmm. People are, you know, you know, they're not like thumbing through a Bible because they're, they're hitting this and they're zapping around here, you know, and all this and, and they're hitting that and they're, they're turning to say, you know, um, and I think sometimes prayers can be that way. Prayer is a very personal thing between you and God. It's yes. not meant for everybody's ears. Not what the way we should pray. Right. Uh, so, I, I, you know, that's to me, that's the huge takeaway. You need to be humble, but our prayers need to say something. Not necessarily humble, because so, I think we can do that easy. They've got to. They've, they've got to say something, like what you said. Our utter dependence on God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure the early church, they were more, you know, are singing a cappella in chapel style. I mean, uh, they often sat around almost circular or semicircular. I'm sure, you know, the, they didn't draw a big amount of attention to the person who was praying, probably. You know, I mean, we've followed our English ancestral Absolutely. roots. You know, we put that big podium up there and that I'd step love to get rid up. Of it. You know, the step up, you know, and been in the old Anglican churches and so forth. They're even way up above over the, you know. Oh, yeah. They're in, way in up there. New England, you know, the churches, they were, you know, you're just like you're up in heaven. Everybody you're looking down on. We went to a church when we were in Baltimore that met in a stone house, the stone house. It was mm. a public house, not in the sense of a British public house, but but a, the, just a, and, and you could use that. And they just set chairs in a circle. And everybody, you know, the preacher sat here and he gave in some, you know, it was very unorganized. It didn't work for me at the time because I was pretty far to the right of where I am now. But it had to be, you know, in a certain some guy would lead a song here. But the difference was we're all looking at each other and no one is is above right. know, like that. Yep. And it, it, it actually, it was odd at first, but it had a little bit more meaning after you sort of thought about it. Well. Thank you, guys. It's been a good study. Yep, it really has. Good study. I hope, uh, you know, for me, the one takeaway, and there are a lot of takeaways, but I don't try to 
drilling in my head is is praying to God and letting him know from my heart that I have an utter dependence upon him in all my prayers, not just not just what I'm begging for him to do in my life. Because mm-hmm. I think when you, if we could record our prayers of how we are when we're like happy and when things are good versus the prayers when we're desperate, it's a world of difference. I'm sure. Sure. Okay. Thank awesome. you, brothers. Right, awesome. Chad. Awesome. Thank you. Well, we appreciate everyone listening in tonight. Uh, again, if uh, if you need to get in touch with us, uh, you can um, reach out to us at our church. What's our number, Terry? 706-745-5997. Yep. 5997. 706-745-5997. Hit us up on our webpage. We've had some yep. folks lately doing some prayer requests on through our website, yep. haven't we? And uh, our Facebook, that's Blairsville Church of Christ. Um, on Facebook or BlairsvilleChurchChrist.com, and uh, we will certainly um, pray for you. Yep, and pray with you. And pray with you. Yeah, so. absolutely. All thank right. you, guys. Well, thank you so much for being here this week. May God bless you, and um, hope you have a blessed rest of the week. Till we meet again.